What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Book 4, Chapter 6 of The Brothers Karamazov This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky Translated by Constance Garnett Book 4, Chapter 6 A Laceration in the Cottage He certainly was really grieved in a way he had seldom been before. He had rushed in like a fool, and meddled in what? In a love affair. But what do I know about it? What can I tell about such things? He repeated to himself for the hundredth time, flushing crimson. Oh, being ashamed would be nothing. Shame is only the punishment I deserve. The trouble is, I shall certainly have caused more unhappiness, and Father Zosima sent me to reconcile and bring them together. Is this the way to bring them together? Then he suddenly remembered how he had tried to join their hands, and he felt fearfully ashamed again. Though I acted quite sincerely, I must be more sensible in the future, he concluded suddenly, and did not even smile at his conclusion. Katerina Ivanovna's commission took him to Lake Street, and his brother Dmitri lived close by, in a turning out of Lake Street. Alyosha decided to go to him in any case before going to the captain, though he had a presentiment that he would not find his brother. He suspected that he would intentionally keep out of his way now, but he must find him anyhow. Time was passing. The thought of his dying elder had not left Alyosha for one minute from the time he set off from the monastery. There was one point which interested him particularly about Katerina Ivanovna's commission, when she had mentioned the captain's son, the little schoolboy who had run beside his father crying. The idea had at once struck Alyosha that this must be the schoolboy who had bitten his finger when he, Alyosha, asked him what he had done to hurt him. Now Alyosha felt practically certain of this, though he could not have said why. Thinking of another subject was a relief, and he resolved to think no more about the mischief he had done, and not to torture himself with remorse, but to do what he had to do, let come what would. At that thought, he was completely comforted. Turning to the street where Dmitri lodged, he felt hungry, and taking out of his pocket the roll he had brought from his father's, he ate it. It made him feel stronger. Dmitri was not at home. The people of the house, an old cabinet maker, his son, and his old wife, looked with positive suspicion at Alyosha. He hasn't slept here for the last three nights. Maybe he has gone away, the old man said in answer to Alyosha's persistent inquiries. Alyosha saw that he was answering in accordance with instructions. When he asked whether he were not at Kushenka's, or in hiding at Foma's, 
Alyosha spoke so freely, on purpose, all three looked at him in alarm. They are fond of him, they are doing their best for him, thought Alyosha. That's good. At last he found the house in Lake Street. It was a decrepit little house, sunk on one side, with three windows looking into the street, and with a muddy yard in the middle of which stood a solitary cow. He crossed the yard and found the door opening into the passage. On the left of the passage lived the old woman of the house with her old daughter. Both seemed to be deaf. In answer to his repeated inquiry for the captain, one of them at last understood that he was asking for their lodgers, and pointed to a door across the passage. The captain's lodging turned out to be a simple cottage room. Alyosha had his hand on the iron latch to open the door when he was struck by a strange hush within. Yet he knew from Katerina Ivanovna's words that the man had a family. Either they are all asleep, or perhaps they have heard me coming and are waiting for me to open the door. I'd better knock first, and he knocked. An answer came, but not at once, after an interval of perhaps ten seconds. "'Who's there?' shouted someone in a loud and very angry voice. Then Alyosha opened the door and crossed the threshold. He found himself in a regular peasant's room. Though it was large, it was cumbered up with domestic belongings of all sorts, and there were several people in it. On the left was a large Russian stove. From the stove to the window on the left there was a string running across the room, and on it there were rags hanging. There was a bedstead against the wall on each side, right and left, covered with knitted quilts. On the one on the left was a pyramid of four print-covered pillows, each smaller than the one beneath. On the other there was only one very small pillow. The opposite corner was screened off by a curtain or a sheet hung on a string. Behind this curtain could be seen a bed made up on a bench and a chair. The rough square table of plain wood had been moved into the middle window. The three windows, which consisted of four tiny greenish mildewy panes, gave little light and were closed shut, so that the room was not very light and rather stuffy. On the table was a frying pan with the remains of some fried eggs, a half-eaten piece of bread, and a small bottle with a few drops of vodka. A woman of genteel appearance, wearing a cotton gown, was sitting on a chair by the bed on the left. Her face was thin and yellow, and her sunken cheeks betrayed at the first glance that she was ill. But what struck Alyosha most was the expression in the poor woman's eyes, a look of surprised inquiry and yet of haughty pride. And while he was talking to her husband, her big brown eyes moved from one speaker to the other with the same haughty and questioning expression. Beside her at the window stood a young girl, rather plain, with scanty reddish hair, poorly but very neatly dressed. She looked disdainfully at Alyosha as he came in. Beside the other bed was sitting another female figure. She was a very sad sight, a young girl of about twenty, but hunchback and crippled, 
with withered legs, as Alyosha was told afterwards. Her crutches stood in the corner close by. The strikingly beautiful and gentle eyes of this poor girl looked with mild serenity at Alyosha. A man of forty-five was sitting at the table, finishing the fried eggs. He was spare, small, and weakly built. He had reddish hair and a scanty, light-colored beard, very much like a wisp of tow. This comparison and the phrase, a wisp of tow, flashed at once into Alyosha's mind for some reason. He remembered it afterwards. It was obviously this gentleman who had shouted to him, as there was no other man in the room. But when Alyosha went in, he leapt up from the bench on which he was sitting, and, hastily wiping his mouth with a ragged napkin, darted up to Alyosha. "'It's a monk come to beg for the monastery. A nice place to come to,' the girl standing in the left corner said aloud. The man spun round instantly towards her and answered her in an excited and breaking voice. "'No, Vaivara, you are wrong. Allow me to ask,' he turned again to Alyosha. "'What has brought you to our retreat?' Alyosha looked attentively at him. It was the first time he had seen him. There was something angular, flurried, and irritable about him. Though he had obviously just been drinking, he was not drunk. There was an extraordinary impudence in his expression, and yet, strange to say, at the same time, there was fear. He looked like a man who had long been kept in subjection and had submitted to it, and now had suddenly turned and was trying to assert himself. Or, better still, like a man who wants dreadfully to hit you, but is horribly afraid you will hit him. In his words, and in the intonation of his shrill voice, there was a sort of crazy humor, at times spiteful, and at times cringing, and continually shifting from one tone to another. The question about our retreat, he had asked, as it were, quivering all over, rolling his eyes, and skipping up so close to Alyosha that he instinctively drew back a step. He was dressed in a very shabby dark cotton coat, patched and spotted. He wore checked trousers of an extremely light color, long out of fashion, and of very thin material. They were so crumpled, and so short, that he looked as though he had grown out of them, like a boy. I am Alexei Karamazov, Alyosha began in reply. I quite understand that, sir, the gentleman snapped out at once to assure him that he knew who he was already. I am Captain Snegiryov, sir, but I am still desirous to know precisely what has led you. Oh, I've come for nothing special. I wanted to have a word with you, if only you'll allow me. In that case, here is a chair, sir. Kindly be seated. That's what they used to say in the old comedies, kindly be seated, and with a rapid gesture he seized an empty chair, it was a rough wooden chair, not upholstered, and set it for him in the middle of the room, then, taking another similar chair for himself,